Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hope you're all well. Hello to everyone on the live stream as well. Uh, we're thinking about clothing already. Uh, so, do clothes make the man? You've heard that quote, haven't you? Uh, clothes make the man. Uh, excuse the uh, gender-exclusive language, but that's the quote. Uh, it comes from American author Mark Twain. He kind of got it from Shakespeare, as uh, many people have. Uh, but showing what um, what someone wears has an effect on how other people see them. If someone is well-dressed at work, others will assume they are more professional or more capable. Uh, if someone turns up to work in a dinosaur outfit, that will have a different effect also. Uh, and so people play on this. So uh, some healthcare workers deliberately wear a doctor's a lab coat, even though they're not doctors. Uh, not to be imposters, but uh, it, they say that it, uh, patients and other uh, co-workers uh, look differently to them. And then their performance, their own performance, improves as a result. Uh, this has even got a scientific name. Professor Adam D. Galinsky from the Kellogg School of Management, wonder what they eat for breakfast, uh, describes this, describes this as enclosed cognition. So he claims that the clothes someone wears has a specific meaning attached to them. Uh, that causes us to ascribe that meaning to their own behavior, to what they do. So what you wear is quite closely linked to what you do, and as we've seen, even to who you are. And so what are we to wear as Christians? What clothes do we put on? Uh, Well, again, we're not talking about fashion here. We're talking about what character fits us as we go onward in Christ. Well, last week, uh, we've had the passage read to us twice. Last week, we saw that we have been raised with Christ. We're spiritually raised to where God is. That's where we are. And that should determine what we seek, of course. We're to seek the things above, set our hearts on the things of God's kingdom. And if we're raised to Christ and we are to put to death the things of of, uh, our earthly desires... But if we're raised with Christ, we are to be clothed. We're to be clothed with the things above. So that's where we're heading today. Uh, But before God tells us what to do, he reminds us. He reminds us, let's look again at who you are. Let's delve deeply into verse 12. Have a look at your Bibles again, verse 12. Uh, Because whenever there's a command in the Bible, God doesn't, doesn't just say it and put it out there In isolation, it's always in context to who God has made us to be. Uh, Let's look closely at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This is who you are. And this is even more surprising that we are loved like this by God. Because in the Old Testament, God described the nation of Israel like this. From Deuteronomy 14, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on this earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. So all that God did for his people in the Old Testament, all who he made them to be, Paul now describes you as God's chosen ones. 
as holy and dearly loved. So you are the true people of God. God has made you his choice. He's made you holy. He's poured out his affection on you. That is who you are. And so, as the passage goes on, he's saying, now that you are my new covenant people, now that all out of all the people on this earth, I've chosen you, this is what you are to be like. This is what you are to wear. This is what you are to wear. And so we are to clothe, clothe ourselves with things that are fit with who we are. Now, back in Shakespeare's time in England, there were laws which dictated what type of clothing and fabrics people were allowed to wear. I had no no idea about this. Uh, And it depended on your rank or your income. So you had to wear the clothes that fitted your social standing. You could tell who belonged to which class by what they wore. Who you were in social standing determine what you wore. Well, today. Today, we don't have any rules about that, but we know our standing. But it's our standing before God. We are holy and dearly loved. And so what clothes befit where we stand? They're clothes not made from fabric, but clothes of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, we've so helpfully had a look at all those uh, all those terms and what they mean. But let me pick up on one thing from uh, from already this morning. These are the characteristics of God. These are what God is like. And so we heard in our first Bible reading, Psalm 145, that the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Jeremiah Jeremiah, uh, 31 says uh, about God, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So God is like this. And of course, because Jesus is God, Jesus is like this. So 2 Corinthians will say, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I, Paul, appeal to you. Or 2 Peter 3 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what are we to be like? Well, the question is more, who are we to be like? We are to be like God, like his son, Jesus Christ. We are to clothe ourselves with Christ-like character. We're to put on godliness. We're to put on the clothes of God himself. And so why don't you have a look down at that verse and you know, look down the list again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Uh, first of all, have a think for yourself. Which of those virtues have you put on? Not perfectly, of course, but which of those verses, uh, sorry, which of those, um, those terms could you say, you know, if I looked at myself, I reckon others would agree and I think that, well, I'm fairly compassionate or I'm fairly gentle. Are there any on that list that you could say you're wearing? 
Well, I hope so. But what do you do? What do you do with that? Humility is on the list, so we need to be careful here. Uh, What should we do if we possess any of these qualities? Well, I think we should thank God for it. God is the one who changes us by his spirit to be like him. God is the one who enables us to put on uh, these clothes. And so if you are in any way growing in these virtues, give thanks to God. Praise him that he is at work in your heart. Celebrate God's power in you. You You are living out who you are. Praise God for that. But we need to look down the list as well to see which of these do we need to put on. Is it patience? As your contractor is is slow at completing his work. Or patient with others if you're unfairly criticised. Or if you're waiting for that medical thing to be resolved. Or if your son keeps asking you questions on the car trip. Do you need patience? Do you need kindness? Do you need to put on kindness? Choosing not to put someone down even if they deserve it. Or deciding to help that person struggling at work even though they should know better. Which of these do you need to put on? Which of these should you be asking God, please change me, change my clothes? And let's keep going. I think probably my favourite command in this whole passage is verse 13. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. It shows that this uh, this set of virtues was not written by some ethicist in a, tucked away in his office, but actually someone who actually interacted with people, even people in church. Bear with one another. It assumes that in church, so one another is talking about God's people that you interact with, uh, there are going to be some people here who you're just not going to get along with. Paul is saying here, there are people that may drive you a little bit nuts. But because this command is here, it means that that is okay. That is okay. This side of heaven, we're not going to like everyone perfectly. There are some people whom God has chosen as holy, that's, that we may just not like or that just annoy you. But that's okay. But it's not an option to ignore them or to rally people around yourself and away from them or to look down on them. You are to bear with them because God bears with them and he has loved them. And of course, God bears with you and has chosen to love you even with all your faults. So we are to bear with one another, to value that person as part of God's people, even if we find that hard. And then it gets stronger in verse 13. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So this is now towards uh, if someone has actually done something to you, has hurt you or offended you or done the wrong thing by you. Now stop and think, do you have a grievance against someone? 
someone who's part of God's people here. They might have hurt you this week, they might have hurt you years ago. Do you still have a grievance with them? Well, what's the word of God to you? Forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Now, sadly, I need to give a big caveat to that, uh, particularly regarding abuse uh, or uh, or something you know very very serious, like if a spouse has uh, cheated on you or something like that. Uh, with those in those cases, the call to forgive is not necessarily a call to regain trust and bring things back to the way they were. That's not what forgiveness is. You may never be able to trust them again, and that might be right and appropriate. Uh, and if they have if they have betrayed you, you should never ins- they, sorry they should never insist to you. Oh, you must forgive me because the Bible says so. Forgiveness might be a long and slow process, and it might not mean that things go back the way they were. But for maybe the majority of things, maybe lesser things, are you willing to bear the hurt that someone's caused you and forgive them when they apologise and repent? Because remember what God has done for you. Remember how much you have offended God through your life, but how much he has forgiven you in his son, Jesus. You have been forgiven much. And so maybe in that massive sphere of forgiveness that God has uh, has uh, put you in, maybe in that massive sphere of forgiveness, there's a little bit of room for you to forgive someone here. Now, they may reject your attempt at forgiveness. They may uh, not want to um, uh, accept it, and that's a sad reality. But do you have a stance of forgiveness? Are you willing to do that? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then verse 14, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If you are, if you can't remember all the rest, think love. How can I love God's people? How can we love one another? So how do we do this? Wouldn't it be nice if it was just as easy as putting on a jacket? Well, just like last week, it's not about trying harder. Instead, we're to remember who we are. We're told that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And then out of who we are, we are to act. We're to act out that reality. If we are the people of God, we are to act as the people of God. If God has deemed us holy, we are to put on things that are holy. If we are loved, then we are to spill out that love to others, even if we're not loved in return, because God has loved us. And do you know what that will do? That will change our church. And in fact, we're going to start to look similar. We might even have a church uniform. I won't be installing that, you know, clothing-wise. That would be terrible. Uh, but what should our church uniform look like? Well, I'm going to focus in on verse 16 for this. 
Have a look at verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. So if we are God's people, this is our uniform. This is our uniform. We're to let the message of Christ dwell among us. The message of Christ is the news of Jesus, the gospel. That should inhabit us as we gather together. The gospel should inhabit all that we do when we meet together. But it dwells in us as we teach and admonish one another. We're to to teach and admonish one another. Now, those two words might be familiar to you through our uh, Onward in Christ series. In Paul's ministry, he he says that he is admonishing and teaching everyone as he proclaims Jesus so that he can present everyone fully mature in Christ. But now Paul goes on to say it's not just him and the apostles doing the admonishing and teaching, it's all of us to one another. And I'm assuming that is to the same end, that is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, there are many great examples of of, uh, people here teaching and admonishing one another, proclaiming Christ and warning each other against uh, turning away from him. Whether it's a a small group where you challenge one another with what God says, uh, whether it's uh, that moment where you've been reading the Bible for yourself and you share it with someone else, what's it been encouraging to you? But in this passage, there's a particular mention of something that we do to teach and admonish one another. Did you see it in verse 16? We do admonish and teach one another through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So it's our singing as we gather together. That is a key way of admonishing and teaching one another. So don't get too hung up on the words between uh, you know, psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. They're all just different terms that refer to Christian songs or Christian hymns. We sing these songs with gratitude, don't we? We sing them in praise to God. And how good that um, we can we can do that now uh, freely. We sing praise to God. It's part of our worship of Him. But that's not the only reason why we sing in church. We also sing to teach and admonish one another. So whenever we sing, we sing to God. But we're also singing to one another. So in our first song this morning, uh, we sang, We are one in the Father's love. We have every tribe and every tongue. Let us walk in love, for we are one. Now, who were you singing that to? You're not inviting... You weren't singing to God, you know, inviting him to walk in love. I think he's pretty good at doing that already. We were singing to each other, weren't we? Inviting one another to walk in love and reminding each other that we are one in the Father's love. That is part of your ministry to one another. Letting the message of Christ dwell in all of us through singing to one another. So as we sing songs about the message of Christ, we're singing to one another, teaching one another about Jesus, warning each other to keep trusting Jesus. So don't miss out on this. 
make sure you don't miss the first song of the service so you don't miss out on uh, the opportunity to teach and admonish one another. And uh, because all these spiritual clothes play out in community, both singing but other things, uh, then I'm so thankful that you are here and we grieve that you who are watching online are not with us. Now, it might be completely right and appropriate that you're watching online today. You might be in isolation or you might be particularly cautious for a, for a reason. And so I'm so glad that you have joined us online and that we can at least gather in this way. But we do miss you and we mourn that you're not here. It's just sad that you're not here because we're missing you teaching and admonishing us through your singing. We can't hear you through the screen. Uh, we're missing the love that you show us. We're missing you. Uh, we're missing even bearing with you if we, you know if you find us if you find us annoying. We're missing that <laughs> because that all helps us grow in Christ, and we look forward to the day when you can return, whenever that day may be. Right, they are the clothes that we are to put on. If we're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we have the clothes of godliness, of Christ-like character to put on. Clothes of letting the message of Christ dwell in us all together. So do clothes make the man? Well, putting on these clothes of godliness, they don't make you Christian but they are the appropriate and necessary attire for those chosen and loved by God. Now, that quote is, uh, is Mark Twain. Uh, the original Shakespeare quote puts it slightly differently. Uh, from Hamlet, for the apparel, the clothes, oft proclaims the man. And for our purposes, I think this is a more helpful way of putting it. The clothes you wear proclaim who you are. And so what we wear as Christians should proclaim that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. But there is someone else that our apparel should proclaim, a different man. Our clothes of godliness should proclaim Christ. As we put on the character of Christ, compassion, kindness, humility, as we forgive as the Lord Christ forgave you, as we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, determine which way we should go, as we let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, dwell in us richly, Christ should be proclaimed in our lives. Verse 17 sums it up. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of, Christ, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That means in everything we do, in everything we say, we do it all in line with the nature and character of the Lord Jesus.